0: Thank you, Ron, for singing that uh, song that's uh, especially uh, dear to our family. And uh, I hope tonight that if you don't know for sure that uh, by the time this evening's done or by the time this camp meeting's done, that you will know for sure that your anchor holds and grips the solid rock because we're living in troubled times and uh, we need the Spirit of God to be uh, giving us the assurance that we have our anchor holding to the rock. Tonight I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to First Peter chapter 1. I'm going to pick up reading verse 17 and read down through verse 19, 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, while you're looking there, I also want you to spend some time looking at John chapter 4. We'll float between these two passages of Scripture tonight. As I share with you something the Lord has just been stirring in my heart for the last several days, and I had and planned on sharing something completely different tonight uh, but I, I just I couldn't get away from this message that God was, I was stirring, uh, as Gary was talking about in in uh, in devotions this morning and prayer time. Just listening to the Spirit, and sometimes He changes uh, things that He wants you to share. And I'm just convinced in my heart that this is a message that the Lord wants us to hear tonight. First Peter chapter one, verse 17 and following. Since you call on a Father who judges each person's work impartially. Live your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without defect. And tonight I want to focus in on this one phrase that's just been ringing in my ear, this idea of you are redeemed from your empty way of life. Tonight I want to talk about the empty way of life. Because many people tonight know, are experiencing that. They know what that is. And I want to just talk a little bit about what the Bible has to say about the empty way of life. That is so unsatisfactory and so unsatisfying. I was reminded of a, a, a lunch I had uh, with one of my coworkers at the Christian Medical and Dental Associations, we had decided to go out for lunch one day, and uh, we had gone to the local Chinese restaurant. And while we were there, uh, we ate at the buffet, and when we got done, the, our waitress brought us our bill, and she brought us that. My, one of my favorite parts of the meal was that, uh, the fortune cookie, right? And I always have fun reading the for- fortune cookie. And so we pulled out the little plastic, and we cracked open the fortune cookie, and to my surprise, mine was empty. There was nothing in it. Now, yeah, ordinarily, I just had my uh, little cookie and gone on my way because I don't really care that much about the, the, the fortune side of the fortune cookie. I just like the cookies. And so I, but I thought, you know, I was kind of in an ordinary mood. And so I thought, I'm going to call my waitress back over and have a little talk with her. And so I called her back over and I seemed like I was really upset. And I said, uh, I got a problem. And she said, what, what's the problem? And I, I said, well, I, I opened my, my fortune cookie and, and it's empty. Well, what does that mean? Oh, she said, oh, I'm sorry. She's sorry. She said, I'll go get you another one. No, no, I don't want another fortune cookie. I want to know what does this mean? What does it mean? That I, does it mean that, I, that my life is empty? My future's empty? Does it? What does it mean? And I just get getting louder and louder and louder. But what does this mean? I don't. I don't have. A, I don't have a, 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 a. Everything is empty for me in the future. And she. Oh, hold on! I'll go get the manager. <laughs> she comes back. This poor, poor girl. I was having too much fun with her. And, and he comes back. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he brought me a box of fortune cookies. <laughs> And so that day I didn't just get one, I got a, I got, I got a box of them, and uh, I was just so sorry, and, and uh, I, I got one, some that had, had a bit of a fortune, and they were kind of funny. But the one was just absolutely empty. Have you ever had an expectation of an experience in your life, and in the end, it just left you empty? Had someone ever said to you, oh, you got to try this and it's going to be, you, you'll love this and you got to try it or you got to go here and you got to love it and and you've had this expectation of an experience and you raised the bar of the expectation and you thought to yourself, oh, this will be amazing. This will bring so much happiness in my life. This will be the ultimate thing that we've been lo- I've been looking for my entire life. This will make all the difference in the world and we have this unbelievable expectation of the experience and then at the end, it just leaves you empty. And some of you tonight know exactly what that is because that's your life story. Everything you've tried, every experience that you've tried, thinking I'll try this and then I'll try that, searching to satisfy, find something that will bring contentment and joy in your life. And all I can think about tonight is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. You and I inherited from our ancestors. It was passed down to us, an empty way of life. And God designed a plan. He loved us so much and he cared about us so much that he would design a plan by sending his one and only son into the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life so that we could live life to the full and not be stuck with an inheritance of an empty, empty life. Tonight I want to look at that Greek word, that Greek word empty literally means profitless. When we're describing this empty life that we inherited from our ancestors, it's it's literally this this profitless life. Mark chapter 8, verse 36, for what is a profit if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? There are a lot of people tonight that are living the empty life and they're trying to find pleasure and happiness and all the things that the world has to offer and they're finding it at the end of the day, meaningless, meaningless. This word is often used to describe uh, the worship of idols. Many times it was used, this Greek word to describe the worship of idols, uh, things that were absolutely meaningless, meaningless. I remember being in Trinidad uh, years ago with a team, and, and uh, we, we went by uh, to see a Hindu, 90-foot Hindu monkey god. That people would come to every day and they'd call out to this, this idol. And and I remember taking the team by this and talking about these idols, these worthless idols that people choose to follow and choose to worship, and they're absolutely meaningless and vanity and vain in the end. This word empty means devoid of force or devoid of power, or truth, no success, no results. Useless. Steve was talking about purpose today. The the empty life has no purpose. God came and uh, he sent his son Jesus into the world so he could rise again the third day and give us victory over over sin, death, and the grave and give us a victorious life. And there are so many people who have heard the message of the gospel in our culture and in, in the church today, and they're still holding on to their worthless idols and living a life without Purpose choosing the empty. Now, tonight I want you to know that Satan's an absolute liar. He's a deceiver of the brethren. He's known throughout Scripture as as the deceiver. And he's deceived a lot of people. A lot of people have been raised in camp meeting. A lot of people have been raised in the church who've been absolutely deceived by the enemy. Oh, he's so slick. He comes by, remember in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, he he comes to Eve and to Adam, and he makes all these grand promises. He promises if you'll just, if you'll just submit, if you'll just give in. God didn't really say this. You don't have to follow God's plan because God knows if you if you eat of this tree, you'll become like Him, and your eyes will be open. Deceived them, and they ate. And did they get what he promised? No. He's a liar he's a deceiver. And what they got was thrown out. Their empty, their empty choice brought an empty life, and sin entered the world, entered the heart of human, the human plan, uh, the human mindset and the human heart. Uh, Satan tried the same thing with Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, if you remember that, in the time of the wilderness when he was out there being tempted by the enemy. And he promised him all kinds of things. He kept coming back and giving him Promises! I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, and everything you could see. I'll give it to you. He's a liar. He's a liar, and some of you tonight know very well he's an absolute liar because you've bought into his lies tonight. He's made all kinds of promises, and you you tried them. You did not say no to temptation. You didn't. You you yielded to temptation, unlike Jesus, who who threw out and quoted scriptures and resisted the temptation that came his direction. You've given in to the temptation, and all you can think tonight about is the empty life that's been left behind. One day, Jesus came and met a woman at the well. And I believe tonight she is the poster child for the empty, empty life. I want to flip back to, to John chapter four tonight and just read a few of these verses, and I want us to, to take a few things that the Lord's been speaking to my heart about the empty life. And, and, and take a deeper look into this story, because I, I think she just describes these, these individuals who are coming to the well, and, and, and she meets Jesus this day, and it changes her life. Look at John chapter 4, verse 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Ever heard of that place? <laughs> I thought you got to preach on this passage of Scripture, right, when you're here at Camp Sychar, right? near the the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Verse 6, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey sat down by the well, it was about noon. Keep that in mind. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy some food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. We'll stop there for the reading, but we'll come back in just a few seconds. I want us to take a a look at this lady tonight and just notice a few things about her as we think about this, the empty life that she represents. We notice about this woman, she's recognized as a woman. It may not seem like a big deal to you, but the women in that day didn't have much of a status in the New Testament. In fact, if you look at chapter 4, verse 27, a little bit later on in the end of the chapter, you'll find that the disciples are absolutely surprised and they're shocked that Jesus is speaking to her. When they come back, they've gone into the village to get some food, and they come back with some groceries for Jesus, and they're going to feed him, and Jesus isn't interested in that because he's he's met this woman at the well, and, and they're just shocked. Look who he's talking to. He's talking to a woman. What's so big about that? Well, we have to understand that the strict rabbis forbade uh, rabbis to, to greet women. You are not allowed to talk to a woman publicly if you were a rabbi. A rabbi wasn't even allowed to speak to uh, uh, their, their wife or their daughter or a sister in public. That's how strict this code was for the, for the rabbis. And when the disciples come back, they know that Jesus is a rabbi, and and he's speaking, he's interacting and having a conversation with this woman, and they're absolutely surprised because she was recognized as a woman. But we also notice that she was polarized as a Samaritan woman. Jews despised the Samaritan people. We don't fully understand that today in our culture, but in that time and that day The Bible says that that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And the truth of the matter is he didn't. Now, while I would point out to you today that the road that he was on, the shortest route between where he was at and where he was going went right through Samaria. But while it was the shortest distance, no one, no Jew ever went the shortest distance. They would take the long way around because the Jews absolutely despised the Samaritan people fact, chapter 4, verse 9, this woman who meets Jesus at the well, he, she's shocked that, that Jesus is speaking to her because she's a woman, he's a rabbi, and, and she's a Samaritan. No one ever asked the Samaritans for anything, especially if they're Jewish. It was also very unusual for a Jew to ask a favor or accept a drink from a Samaritan's cup. She's polarized as a Samaritan, but she's also marginalized by her lifestyle and her social status. She's marginalized and she's trivialized tonight by her sinful behavior. You may not pick this up on a casual reading of the story, but one of the things that the, the Bible tells us was when she comes and meets Jesus at the well, it's at about noon. The time of the day was noon. It's high noon. That's the about the hottest time of the day. And Jesus is on this journey. He sits down at the well, the well of Jacob, and he waits. He had to meet somebody. He was there to meet this woman who was living such an empty life. And the Bible says it was about noon, and she was there by herself. She was there in the heat of the day. This never happened. Women always traveled in groups with other women, They were always gathering together and going together in the early hours of the morning. Why? Because it was cooler. They always traveled together. Why? Because it was safer for them to travel with each other. But because of her behavior, because she was marginalized by her lifestyle and her social status, she had to go during the hottest time of the day. And she went by herself, so as to be not recognized by a lot of people, because no one would be at the well at that time of the day, except Jesus had a purpose to meet this woman who was living such an outcast and empty life. She was likely a social outcast, shunned by all the other women in the community, and everyone looked down on her and here's what i want you to see tonight as we look at this story as we talk about the empty life that jesus comes to fill in our lives this woman when she meets jesus she has come with an empty bucket which represents her life it's an image tonight of her pilgrimage It's an image of the the life that she was living as an outcast, marginalized by, by her society, cast out, not accepted, and finding herself lonely in the life that she is living. And she is the poster child for the empty life. So tonight I want to ask ourselves a question, what is the empty life? What is the empty life? If you have a piece of paper, I would love for you to write down these four things that describe in my mind what the empty life is all about. First of all, as I was praying about this, the Lord just kind of spoke to my heart and told me this. The empty life is an unfulfilled life. The empty life is an unfulfilled life. In chapter 4, verse 16 and 17 of John, Jesus said to her, go call your husband. He's having this conversation. She's actually surprised that he's having this conversation with her says, go call your husband. She said, well, I, I actually don't have a husband. He says, this is a shock that came to her. To her. He said, well, listen, you're absolutely correct. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the person you're with now that's not even your husband. And what, he, what she says to him in that moment as she's holding her empty bucket, which I think is an image of her, her pilgrimage in life, that she's just completely empty, living out the empty life. She's tried, she's thought to herself, because of her behavior, because of her lifestyle, she's thought to herself, oh, if I can just find a good husband, if I can just find someone who loved me and care about me, and she's been through husband and husband and another husband, five husbands, and now she's divorced and still searching for acceptance, still searching for love, still searching for someone to care for her. And I think if you were to ask her at that moment about her fulfilled life, she would say she was living out. An empty life that was un- absolutely unfulfilled. It's the theme of the book of Ecclesiastes. Because a lot of people have lived out this empty life. In fact, on almost every chapter in the book of Ecclesiastes, at least once or twice, sometimes even three times, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes uh, who writes this idea of meaningless, meaningless, always meaningless. And the writer of Ecclesiastes began to talk about their journey. And the, I tried this, and I thought to myself, well, I'll try pleasure, and I'll try wisdom, and I'll try on and on. he tries all these things to try to come up with this idea of something that will satisfy, something that will be fulfilling in their life. And the writer of Ecclesiastes over and over and over again says, it's meaningless, it's meaningless. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And tonight, I'm speaking some of your language tonight. The Holy Spirit is gripping your heart tonight in this this building, in this tabernacle, because you've been on that search like the woman at the well. I was reminded tonight of that, that, that old song we used to sing, like the woman at the well. I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. And then I heard my Savior speaking draw from the well that never shall run dry. Fill my cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul, bread of heaven. Feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole. Why? Because she was living an empty life. And the empty life is always an unfulfilled life. C.S. Lewis said one time, if we find ourselves uh, that nothing in this world can satisfy the longing of our heart. He said the most probable explanation is that we were not made for this world. God never designed for us to live the empty life that is so unfulfilling. He designed a plan after Adam and Eve sin that he would send his one and only son into the world that, that we could find purpose and that we could find meaning. But all this world has to offer leaves us in the lies of the enemy. Proverbs 21, verse 17 says this, You're addicted to thrills. What an empty life, it says in the message. The pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. You can go into the next chapter of Ecclesiastes in your life, and you can think, well, I've tried this, and I've tried this, and I've tried this, and nothing has brought me satisfaction. And of all the expectations of the experiences that I have hoped for, they've all left me empty in the end. There's only one other thing you can do that maybe you've not tried, and that's turning to Jesus. Proverbs 27, verse 20 says this, just as death And destruction are never satisfied. So human desire is never satisfied. You will never fill that void in your heart. Observation number one. The empty life is an unfulfilled life. The second thing I felt like the Lord was saying to me to share with you tonight, not only is the empty life an unfulfilled life, is the empty life must constantly be filled up over and over and over again. We must constantly be replenishing and refilling that life, no matter what you try. Why is that? Because, as I said, it's not satisfying. All these things, all these lies, the end, if you just try this, I'll give you this. It's a lie, it's an empty promise. This woman, she, she's coming with an empty bucket. And she's going to try to fill it up. She's going to have to come back tomorrow around noon and the next day around noon and the next day around noon because she's not finding something that will bring satisfaction. What does Jesus say to her? Jesus describes for her, he's having this conversation with her. He's just talking to a woman even though he wasn't supposed to. and He's talking to a Samaritan even though they never did. And he asks her for a drink. And he, he describes for her in verse 13, whoever drinks this water we will thirst again. You'll have to come back over and over and over again. But if you drink the water that I'll give you today, that I offer you tonight in your search for happiness, in your search for satisfaction, in your search to fill the empty void of your life, whoever drinks the water I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become into him a fountain of water that's springing up into everlasting life. Is, is the spirit refreshing you tonight? Some of you have experienced the living water of Christ and yet somehow you've bought into one of the lies of the enemy and you're on a path to pursue God and to serve him and to give your all to him and, and you, you bought into one of the lies. You took a detour from the enemy and it promised all these kinds of lies and it left you empty. Sin is the endless pursuit of pleasure that only ends in the empty heart. Let me say that again. Sin is the endless pursuit of pleasure that only ends in an empty, void heart. Remember the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15? One day Stephen was talking about this, The other, one of his messages about he planned and he took the, the inheritance that he had planned to take from his father and he went out and he, he lived the, the, the prodigal life and he, he spent his, his inheritance wildly and lavishly and then one day it was all gone. And what was he? Left empty. He had envisioned this idea that he would, he would leave the father's house. He would wander away from the promise, the inheritance that he had and he took his inheritance and he squandered all of it here he is with nothing to show for what he had spent and what he had been given by his father. And he's so low that he, he decides, I'm going to go work with the pig farmers. And he was so empty and so hungry that he thinks to himself, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can get some of those pods that the pigs are eating. And that would surely satisfy but no one would give him anything. It was at this point in the story of the prodigal son, when he's absolutely empty, that the Bible says he came to himself. He came to his senses. And he thought to himself, you know, the hired servants back at my father's house Are eating better and living better than I am. I I've squandered all this and I have absolutely nothing left. I tell you what I'll do. I'll I'll go home and I'll confess, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you, and I'll come home and I'll and I'll say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But can I be hired as one of your servants and work? Why? Because he came to his senses. He was spending at such a rate, thinking to himself, Okay, this will bring happiness. This will bring pleasure. This will bring fulfillment and longing in my heart. This will fill the empty void, but nothing did. And he finds himself at the end of that story, his mind focused on his father, the desire to go home. Tonight I'll remind you that the empty life is an unfulfilled life. There's no meaning in it. It's meaningless. The empty life must be constantly filled. You must every day bring your bucket and find, try to find something to fulfill, but it never, ever satisfies. The third thing I want you to hear tonight about this empty life is this: that the empty life can only be filled in Christ Jesus. The empty life can only be filled in Christ Jesus. Let me say, save you a lot of time tonight. Let me save you a lot of pursuits. Let me save you a lot of heartache in your life if you've not already had enough because you've been in pursuit of all these things that will bring fulfillment and satisfaction there's only one thing and it's a person a relationship with Jesus Christ that can ever bring meaning and satisfaction the empty life can only be filled in the person of Jesus Christ and being fully committed fully giving our lives to him in John chapter 4 verse 10 through 12 Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I'm he. I love this this line in here. If you, he says to her, if you knew who you were speaking to. Have you ever been speaking to someone and you had no idea who they were, and they were someone really important, and you stuck your foot in your mouth? I was preaching with Dr. Tim Tennet this past week in, in uh, Indian Springs Camp Meeting. We were sitting around talking one one day, and he was telling me about some new construction that they were building in Asbury Seminary, and. And so he decided he was going to go and check out the building. And he went in, he had a tie on, and and he was all dressed up for his normal business there at the seminary. And he put a hard hat on, and he went in. He had never met any of the workers there in the building. He just wanted to check the progress of the building. And and he walked in, one of the the head foremen said to him, uh, hey, do do you work here? He said, yeah, I do. I work here. Do you know the president? (laughs) He said, yes, I kind of do. I kind of know the president. And the foreman began to list all these things that needed to be done. And what you need to go tell the president this, and you need to go tell the president that, and you need to go tell the president this. And then he said, I thought to myself, if You just knew that you were speaking to the president, <laughs> you might have said that a little differently. It's an empty life that can only be filled in Christ Jesus. John 10:10, 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill. Satan's desire is to lead you astray and to steal and to destroy everything that God's promised in your life. But he said, I have come that they may have life, and they may have it to the what? Full. That's the promise of Jesus. Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Talking about the church. You know who fills The church. With words of life, the scripture, Jesus himself, they speak of who Jesus is. Is it any wonder why our churches today are falling apart? We're talking about splitting and splitting and fallout and fallout, and and, and almost every week it seems like another church closes. Why? Well, Ephesians 5, 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes upon the sons of disobedience. We've, we've been teaching a social gospel to people who are, who are empty and they're hungry, and we don't want to offend anybody today. We will run from the truth. We won't speak the word of God. We won't stand up for what the Bible says. We're so afraid of preaching truth that it may offend someone in this camp meeting, that it may offend someone in our churches and the people that write our checks may be mad at us and fire us for preaching the truth. God help us when empty words are trying to fill empty lives. And what we're left with is the picture of what we see of the church. God help us. Because empty words will never fill an empty life. And I love what Steve talked about today. You know why? Because the empty tomb is the answer for an empty life. The empty tomb is is the answer because Jesus came. It's the gospel message. He came to earth. He came from heaven to earth as we sang that song this morning. And he died for our sins. And he rose again. He became victorious to give us everlasting life. The empty tomb is our hope for eternal life. But the fourth thing I'd have you see tonight is this simple truth that the empty life can be transformed by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what this message is all about here. Holiness unto the Lord. Because there's a lot of people who are living the empty life, and it, they found it to be an unfulfilling life, and they found it to be something that you're constantly trying to have to try to find something else and refill, and it just can't seem to find anything. And there, there are many who have who have given their heart to Christ. They have believed in Christ as their Savior, and they realize that the empty tomb is the answer for the empty life, and they've put their faith and trust in Christ. Listen to what Jesus tells the woman at the well. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. Understand the word spirit there worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking those to worship him how what's the lord looking for tonight in this camp meeting those who have not just prayed a simple prayer and, and 25 years ago gave their heart to jesus but are living the sanctified life who are living a life in the spirit who are daily growing and being filled what does the bible say ephesians 4 5 518 be filled with the holy spirit that's not a one time feeling that's a, in the Greek tense, it's an ongoing. Be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 24: For God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I find this intriguing that one of the images of the spirit-filled life in the, the New Testament is this idea of streams of living water. Water is a symbol of the Spirit's work. Rivers of living water represent the Holy Spirit's presence and power poured out on Jesus' followers. The Spirit's presence points to his cleansing and to his sanctifying work in the hearts of God's children. See how important this is? Jesus' own disciples. And those original followers of Jesus, they had encountered the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. But he said to them this, Don't go out and start ministering. Don't go out and start working until you've been endued with power upon high. The Bible says they were waited. And when they waited, the Holy Spirit came. And they turned the world upside down. Why? They had come into a relationship with Jesus. And he invited them that he was the only one that could fill the void in their life, and they became followers. They left everything, and they followed Jesus Christ, but they waited to the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts one but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And one of the most incredible things about this woman who's the, the poster child of it, she brings her empty bucket to Jesus. The Bible tells us she left her bucket there. And she met Jesus, and she went out telling everybody about what the Lord had done for her that day at the well. She didn't need the bucket anymore, because the streams of living water and the Spirit of God began to fulfill her. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. This woman who's an outcast, she went out to all of her outcast friends, and she began to tell them, you've got to come meet this man who told me everything about myself. And everywhere she went, she became a witness. It says in verse 39 through 42, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. What does that mean? She gave witness. He told me all I ever did. And when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. He stayed on two more days, and many more believed because of his own words. And a great revival took place because someone who was absolutely living out the empty life met Jesus and was filled with the living water and went out to be a witness. She became energized at this point by the good news of Jesus Christ. And she went out and she began to tell everyone. She began to trade her empty life. For a spirit filled life. And so many people came to know Jesus because of it. As I conclude tonight, let me remind you of, in 1 Peter chapter 1, there are two mentions of two inheritances. In chapter 1, there are two references to inheritances that we receive. One is found in verse 18 that I read for us at the beginning of this passage in our sermon tonight. It's the empty life, the inheritance of the empty life. And here's what I can promise you tonight. If you do nothing with this message, if you continue to keep on searching, then you will be able to inherit from your ancestors what the empty bucket can give you. And it's just a meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. In fact, this woman in John chapter 4, verse 12, she's referring to her ancestors. She's talking about the meaningless life, the worthless life, the empty life she had. Psalm 89, verse 47 says, remember how short my life is, and How empty and futile this human existence really is. The first inheritance that we talk about in First Peter chapter one is the empty life, but then there's also the reference to the eternal life. First Peter chapter one, verse four, an inheritance that is kept in heaven just for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And here's what I ask you tonight. If your bucket is empty, if your heart is empty, and tonight I tell you about these two inheritances that you can live by, the one that comes from your ancestors who were born into sin, there's no hope there. It results in the empty life. But the other is the inheritance of eternal life. To all who would believe, to all who would repent, all who would wait, And experience this fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. We can receive tonight this incredible power of the Spirit. Is your life empty? Is the Spirit of God speaking to you tonight? And I want to ask you to stand. And I promise you, I make this promise every night, every service. I'm not going to beg you to come to the well. But if Jesus is speaking to you tonight, if Jesus has stopped by in your pew tonight and knelt down, the Holy Spirit is convicting you about the empty life that you're leaving. I don't want you to wait to verse three because we may not sing verse three tonight. You come as the Spirit leads you as we sing.
1: Hover over me.
0: To the, the promise I just made to you and uh, my heart's clean yep. if you can leave God bless you, we're going to go eat some ice cream together but if you're not settled in your heart and your heart's not filled then I want you to know I'm going to have a closing word of prayer here but these altars will be open tonight you be obedient to God many of the camp meetings I preach in holiness camp meetings have one one phrase on the pulpit that says mind God, mind Him Obey him. Father, I thank you tonight for your word, for this story tonight about the woman who came to Jesus empty, broken. But Lord, you met her. And I pray, Lord, tonight, there may be someone here tonight that's just wrestling with uh, coming. They're thinking, well, I can't wait till the service gets over. But Lord, I pray you'd follow them tonight wherever they go. Let the Spirit of God be active in their heart and their minds till they surrender to you and find the true filling of the Spirit in their life. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Good night.